Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's an out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Uh, my name is uh, Phil Kirkbride, Everton reporter, today joined by Head of Sport Dave Prentice and Tony Scott. And uh, we are reflecting on the Dixies, Everton's annual end-of-season awards and the uh, fallout from all of that, plus looking ahead to Southampton and discussing, as ever, Mr Sam Allardyce. But we will start with the Dixies and... It came as absolutely no surprise to anybody in the room, anybody of a, of a royal blue persuasion, and anybody who's watched Everton this season, that Jordan Pickford walked away with an absolute armful of trophies because in a very dark season he has been a bright spot. Um, Preno, a, uh, a word for, for England's number one goalkeeper and certainly Everton's player of the season. 100%, yeah. And I know the Dixies and the concept of an awards night in a season that has been very disappointing. It's not always to everyone's taste, but I think if you look at Jordan Pickford and you look at the way he was clearly proud, pleased, you know, thrilled to receive those awards, to me that sort of justifies the existence of them. Without even going into the you know the other awards, your lifetime achievements and your people mm-hmm. like Adrian Heath, who you know was clearly thrilled to be you know sort of installed as a millennium giant. Um, so you know, lots and lots of positives you know sort of be had from the whole concept. But yeah, Jordan Pickford he was he was really the only winner. I was just a little bit concerned that maybe there would have been, you know, him as young player and then maybe a slightly left field choice as senior player, you know, which I'd heard a few rumours, hopefully wrong, or they were wrong uh, beforehand. But there couldn't really be anybody else, to be honest. I mean, in terms of consistency, in terms of, you know, performing week in, week out over the you know, full duration of the season. Pickford's been a standout performer. And we forget sometimes how young he is. You know, he won the Young Player of the Year award because he's only 23. And, you know, we're told that goalkeepers don't really mature until, you know, effectively they're reaching their late 20s, you know, maybe 30s. Um, so an awful lot more still to come. So, yeah, that was, that was a real positive. Um, you know, definitely a deserving winner. And the other winners that no doubt you know will come to. I don't think there are many you know sort of eye-opening surprises. You know, the uh, lifetime achievement took us all by, by surprise. Not least the, the person yes. that received it, yeah, <laughs> who I spoke to before the uh, before the show actually began. We said, oh yeah, I only got the call from Denise yesterday. I've uh, I've got to present an award to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> little, little did he know he was actually collecting one himself. But no one, no I thought it was a very good night. Uh, you know, hats off to Richard Kenyon, who received a nice uh, applaudit from Bill Kenwright from the stage. Uh, for putting it together because it was it was a tight uh, you know slightly over two hours uh, mm. show that was very very entertaining enjoyed it so there was there was obviously a little bit of debate um, about whether the awards should have gone ahead should have yeah. ever have, have even staged an awards and obviously we're all well aware and we remember that in um, 2016 they cancelled the awards because obviously Roberto Martinez got sacked on the morning but was it the right thing to do you know uh, would we be in danger of cancelling awards left right and centre because obviously Everything's gone on. Everton are eighth at the minute, so yeah. would it have felt strange to cancel it? Or? Yeah, I, I can I can see two sides of the story. Yeah. It's not for, for for fans who are saying they should have should have cancelled it, had a bad season. 
we realistically we could finish eighth, possibly seventh, and outside chance to get that. When Roberto Martinez was sacked, we were 16th at the time. We were spiralling out of control. It was getting really hostile between the fans and Roberto. I don't think it's it's come to that yet. And I get everyone's reasons why they should not add it, etc., etc. But this isn't just to do celebrating the season, the first team. It's the women's Everton 100%. team. It's under 23. Yeah. It's the yeah. academy. Yeah. They're celebrating. Everton Football Club itself it's not just called the first team awards yeah, if yeah. it was then I'd back that argument to say yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's an advantage there's some argument to say that cancel if it's just, but it's not yeah. it's the whole football club it's Everton the community there's lifetime achievements now imagine if they were to cancel it Morgan Feeney would have been robbed of an under 23 Young Academy Awards and that's not right he deserves or presented it in a room with nobody there exactly and that's he not deserves right. the opportunity to be on stage with senior players and first team players you know getting it in getting front a taste of, them. of that yeah, yeah and speaking in front of everyone and, and that experience of being there and he said some wonderful stuff didn't he that he said on stage as well about being an Evertonian still going to match etc trying to get away with the dark arts <laughs> exactly yeah Great but it, was all, it was all good <laughs> stuff and I think the fans liked that but it's, I, I can only echo what Dave said. Jordan Pickford's outstanding play this season, and obviously all the money that we've spent yeah. in the summer and obviously in January. If you look at his transfer fee alone, you'd probably treble it now. Looking at a young English goalkeeper, got to be obviously England's number one in the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's probably it's a no-brainer. If you're looking at it, if you had to pick an outfield player, who would you pick? Well, we had this debate actually uh, going into the awards in the last week. It was it stumped a lot of people. You know, first half of the season, you'd say Wayne probably. Yeah, I'd uh, go for the slow burning Gilfy. I th- yeah, but I was going to say I think Sigurdsson up until his injury, I think yeah. I think he'd been very good. Because you think early parts of the season, oh, Gilfy struggled. Didn't yes, he really yeah, struggled. Yeah, yeah. Well, playing left wing when he was yeah. playing number ten. Yeah. Now, what was quite funny talking about the goalkeepers was uh, Wayne Rooney's little uh, dig on the stage <laughs> yeah. last night, talking about his goal of the season. And uh, he was asked to describe it by Mark Chapman, who was a very, very good host, by the way. And uh, he says, well, you know, I know Joe Hart's always got a mistake in him. He's <laughs> <laughs> clearly getting a little bit of a, you know, sort of dig for his teammates in there. I was surprised that Gilfie Sigurdsson's goal against Southampton wasn't even in the throw yeah, to the mid. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's, you know... You want to forget that afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has been easy to forget some of Guilford, you know, his goal against Swansea. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, his Huddersfield one was a good move and obviously the one that was up for up for challenging for Waynes was the one that had just split where yeah. were we on, on that fence. I love that goal. That was wonderful. I th- yeah. I, I, and yeah. I think it was very close in the end of vote. I just there was just something about Sigurdsson's that I actually like more than Waynes and I don't know why, but just Do you think when the one against split for him, Sigurdsson's Efforts. Do you think that I know where he meant to put it? And it, listen, it was a big, massive. It could have easily went anywhere. Where Rooney's, you knew he knew instantly how to catch your ball when it's mm. coming across yeah. you like that. Yeah. The technique is so difficult compared to Sigurdsson's, where he's just hit that yeah. and it's lobbed and it's gone. Do you know what I mean? Me and Tony will appreciate this because the technique. <laughs> Obviously, you know, so an agricultural player like yourself, you know, just, <laughs> just like clearances. <laughs> no, I mean, it was Rooney was more controlled, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like you put a bit of fade on it, you yeah. clipped it, you know, yeah. whereas, you know, Sigurdsson just hit it as hard as he could. Was, was Sigurdsson's not more, does he deserve praise for the fact that he spotted it? Rooney's oh, was obvious, Joe Hart's always go right. It was a great it's, goal, yeah. Yeah, I think because Rooney's was the hat trick as well. Yeah, of course, I, I think yeah. that's probably made him. And he got the individual performance as yes, well, didn't he? Did, yeah. And when you look at it, there's not many individual performances that stand out. Mm. They, 
Name me another one. I, I was struggling. I thought instantly well, I went. Shank Tosin at Stoke was one of the <laughs> Well, I think I think this individual performance would have been in that list if it had not been for the fact that, this, that, that Seamus Coleman got an award yeah. by himself. Yeah. His, his performance against Leicester City, I, I actually think, was probably the, actually the performance of, of the season for me. It's funny. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I sat with my lad last night, and um, he t- you know we weren't expecting any other candidates to uh, contest Rooney. And when that one was mentioned, he turned to me and goes, "Oh, that could win it." Yeah. And he's right; it was because yeah. it was an inspiration of the evening uh, that Coleman put in that night. Indeed. And Robert Elston's comments on Seamus Coleman yeah. were absolutely fantastic. Spot on, yeah. I, what he said about him, he epitomises Everton Football Club. The fans can relate to him so much. I thought, you know what, we in a in a world where obviously players come and go, we are so lucky to have this guy playing for us and as a as a professional. Well yeah, what does I like best about that whole little cameo was uh, Mark Chapman asked him, he says, You haven't just got respect at Everton, clubs uh, fans at other football clubs respect you as well, you know. What's your secret? And he goes, Well it's no secret. He goes, My parents brought me up properly, manners and respect yeah. and, and drew around the applause. Exactly, yeah. And it's true, you know, manners and respect uh, is a a quality that you don't see as much as you ought to in modern football mm. and he embodies it magnificently yeah. you know true ambassador and arguably you know the captain elect at Everton Football Club arguably probably if he was start fit at the start of the season he could have went on to win play the season himself yeah. and yeah. look you know Everton have had you know we've, we've had d- deep rooted problems this season but things would have eased if, if we didn't have Seamus for the full season it's, it's arguably that Ronald Seamus may Benzie. not have been sacked if Baines no. and Coleman were the start of the season yeah. We wouldn't have needed because no. Sam Allardyce just came in. Baines and Coleman are fit, and Everton have started flying up the league. There's yes. no coincidence yeah. that way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the chairman, Bill Kenwright, obviously took to the stage before he presented his uh, Blue Blood Award, and obviously gave a typically emotional Long. and passionate, yeah. <laughs> and despite the best efforts of Snod's uh, lengthy, <laughs> lengthy speech, obviously as always, some really interesting things. Uh, most notably, I think the fact that he was talking about the summer signings and how summer. Uh, found it difficult at Everton but insisting that every every one of those summer signings will remain an Everton player next season um, Prenna was that Bill just trying to boost the confidence of some lads who struggled or was that a message that you know, we are sticking with these players and he, refusing he, to he's, give he's mentioned that before that you know he believes that you know Klassen and Sandro deserve an opportunity to see if they can settle into the Premier League I thought that was a bit unnecessary last night to be honest I, mean, I was sat directly behind Davy Klassen and I felt it's almost like being patronised a little bit, you know. So we know you've been hopeless this season, some, but you know, stick with us and we'll see what we can, you know, till turn around in the summer. Uh, I, I personally can't see a long-term future for either of them. Um, I don't think you suddenly discover physicality uh, and the ability to compete in what is a very, very aggressive league. Sanjo's already made it clear, you know, he doesn't want to come back. Um, he might have to if nobody else will pay the wages that Everton pay him, mm-hmm. or you know, the transfer fee that Everton wants. Have the got a? A clause in them where they can buy them? No, don't no. think so. No. And, and likewise, Davy Classen. Uh, it's funny actually. I was, uh, you know, for some of the older listeners, I was uh, looking up this morning. Stefan Wren, who was uh, one of Colin Harvey's uh, great, you know, sort of you know, mistakes. No, centre mid, uh, Swedish guy. You know, we signed and thought, oh, you know, this guy's going to be an absolute, you know, Arnold Muir and you know, sort of Frank yeah. Tyson type player. And uh, he started two games, one of which was against Millwall. He came on as a sub in the first half and got taken off as a sub in the second half. He just couldn't handle the physicality of, uh, of English football. And, you know, I fear that Davy Klassen might be in a similar boat. hope I'm wrong, because everything I hear from Finch Farm, people love the lad. He's got a great attitude, you know, so he's a really, really popular member of the squad. But, like I say, you don't just discover physicality. You know, he's you know, been around for 23, is he 24? He's been around a while now. 
Um, can you suddenly toughen up and find that? I don't know. Can you get Nick, in Nick the, Atarian did, didn't he? Yeah, so can maybe. you get in the gym and work on weight training? I hope so. I hope so. But, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a mindset more than anything. Uh, mm. We'll see. But uh, I'd be surprised if, it, if he does have a long-term future at Everton. Until, obviously, Preno echoing the sentiments of Ronald Koeman, actually, who this week, who'd been on Dutch TV and said similarly, it was the aggressiveness and the tempo that he struggled with. But Ronald, quite pointedly, was, was at pains to, to point out that he said nobody at Everton last summer had any doubts about him. Well, we signed him, didn't we? He played in the Ajax team that yeah. obviously went to the Europa League final. Didn't stand out, to be honest, did he? Man was, United's was, absolute was the Europa skill. League final against a, a strong, well-organised English team, should we have had the alarm bells ringing at that point? It could have, could have been. It's an, there's an argument for that. If he's not standing out in a final... Why the hell are Everton paying them in excess of, what was it, 20 23.6 million. 23.6 million for David Klassen. No, he's not even... I know this is a Dutch team that's probably one of the worst in, in modern era, isn't it? I just... When I've watched him this season, I've struggled to see anything that he's doing. Off the ball, on the ball, even in the cameos that he's played. Yeah. I'm going, what's he good at? All just, and it reminds me of a... When kids are running around in a schoolyard, they're all chasing the ball. He reminds me of that type of player. He's just, he's just chasing, and I'm going. You've got to have something. It's like, like a continuity player, isn't he? he? Just keeps the ball moving, but you know. But don't you seem like a bit of an headless chicken? He's just running around yeah. to to look busy. Is that is that um, sort of? Is he trying too hard? Yeah, is that the epitome of him trying too hard because he knows it's not working? So he needs. To, he feels he needs to be chasing down defenders because he's been told to press and. But when he's got on the ball, you think, go on, give, give us a killer pass, at least attempt it. And if he attempts that killer pass and it doesn't happen, the car goes, oh, unlucky, you get, keep going. But he doesn't, he's mm-hmm. playing the safe pass when he's getting it, and then he's just running down blind alleys and going, 20 odd million. I, I know, yeah. I, I think I can remember one shot very early on in one of the Europa League games into the side netting. Yeah. I, I can't remember any other game yeah. where. I think you know, he had a, a decent little cameo when he came off, off the bench against Limassol at home when we drew 2 all. I don't know if you remember, he came. Came off the bench and seemed to make a little bit right. of an impact. But Missed I mean, a good chance early doors, didn't he? I think he got put through and he just. Mm, it was just might have been, re- yeah, another Europa League game, wasn't it? But, I mean, is there any value in sending him on loan? I think there is, yeah. You know, if you're going to discover that physicality, you know, the place to do it is in this country. But again, you know, he's a lad that's captained Ajax. Mm. So, is he going to feel, you know, it's a little bit beneath him, you know, because. So, you know, to go to another club and you know, and try. If you can get a Premier League loan, brilliant. Yeah, I think that that could work out for him. But I suspect he hasn't shown enough in the twelve months he's been here for many Premier League clubs to want to take a chance on him. Mm. Alarm bells ringing. Three managers have looked at him. Three managers haven't picked him this well, season. And I think the same thing keeps coming back, doesn't it? The things that that Preno mentioned: physicality and aggression, and not doing it in training. Surely, if so, well, people. Preno, you back to probably the word is from Fitch he trains really well, but is he, you know, techni- I don't think technique's in doubt and, and, and ability. I think it's can he, you know, on a match day in the cut and thrust and the yeah. rigors. I think there's a difference between training well, mm. as in putting the effort in, and actually playing well and training, standing out. Mm. Now, you could easily place him in the under 23s, would he stand out? For me, no, he wouldn't. Now, if you put him in with the first team, he's definitely not going to stand out. Yeah. So, Training well, your application, putting the effort in. Yeah, he probably is doing well. But as in scoring goals, looking the part, putting passes through, he's probably not doing it. Mm. So there's an argument for why is Unzwerk left him out? Why is Kuma left him out? Why is Allardyce left him out? Because he's not standing up and training. He's not push me, make me, make me play yet. And he's not doing it. 
Is that why it's doubly infuriating, therefore, for many supporters that he's only played once for the 23s? Since Sam came in, and you know, it seemed an obvious thing to do, playing every week, and he's only played once. He may be hindered in an under-23s place if he's playing in there. Possibly, but if you spent 23 million quid on a player, I think you want to try and see something from him. So, yeah, I think he might have benefited from just getting his confidence up yeah, in the, the 23s. Well, if you said that, Dave, that he, you might think it's been Ethan to actually go and play yeah. in the Championship, surely playing in the under-23s, he's going to be thinking... Yeah, it's yeah you don't know, do you? I mean, I remember going back a little while now, but when, uh, when, Everson, when Howard Kendall signed Mikhail Madar, and... Um, he wasn't quite match fit at the time, but Howard wouldn't play him in the reserves, joking you know, sort of under-21s, I think it was as then. And I asked him why not, and he says because of the culture that exists on the continent, it's seen as a slight when you're asked to play, you know, with the kids, with the youngsters, and so didn't want to do it, didn't want to, you know, damage the, uh, the player's confidence, and possibly, you know, a similar well, kind of culture exists. Well, when, when Davey did play for the 23s uh, at Goodison, six weeks ago I was at the game, and, and people were telling me before kick-off, the lad's buzzing. He, he, really, he's yeah. made up his playing because he's getting a game. Yeah. So and did he stand out? He was he was steady. I mean, he had not played competitive football. I think since December when we played Limassol away, and before that it'd been October. But if you're a, if you're a quality oh, footballer yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're playing yeah, yeah. at a level below, yeah, you should be standing out regardless. Yeah. yeah. And if he's not standing out till under twenty three level, eyebrows have got to be saying, raised and saying, what, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. Uh, moving on from uh, from signing to the chairman, say will be here to a man whose future remains sadly uncertain. That, of course, is the manager Sam Allardyce. Uh, he made a brief appearance on stage last night to present Jordan Pickford with the third and final of his awards, the Player of the Season award, and he was interviewed very briefly by Matt Chapman. Um, he spoke about the privilege of managing the, managing the Blues. Preno, we, we were speaking about this earlier. Did you sense a level of humility from Sam that we've not seen since he arrived at the football club and if so what, what do you think that means? 100% um, and you, you would hope that the, the media guys at the football club are advising him that one of the issues that some fans have with him is this perceived you know arrogance this like smug attitude that you know I know best I know better than you lot um, you know he obviously thinks he does but you know don't push that in people's faces you know so try and present a more you know humble outlook and that definitely came across. Um, I was a little bit uncomfortable with the uh, the heckling and you know the uh, the shouts from the floor. You know, it's it's an annual you know, awards evening. I thought that was a bit misplaced. It was always going to happen. That and it was, it was. And you know, he handled it, you know, well enough. Um, but fun. but yeah, he has. Um, I, I personally can't really see much of a way back. I mean, one of my old colleagues in this place, Phil McNulty, um, tweeted at the weekend. Works for the BBC now, Phil. And he says, when you're winning an away game 2-0 and the fans are still, you know, sort of chanting for your removal, he says, I can't really see any way back. And Phil was there and, outside, yeah, yeah, and you have to really agree with that, don't you? Because, you know, there's a, it might only be a minority, as Sam thinks it is, but it's a sizable and it's a very vocal minority. And, and fans do have an awful lot of influence nowadays, yeah. as they should do, you know, because they're the ones putting the money into the club. I mean, I, I wrote about this in, in my match uh, report from that game, actually. And, and it is... You know, if, if Sam, if, as he does, feels he should carry on the football club, feels he is the man to take Everton forward, if he hasn't got the support of the fans and he hasn't got the admiration or the respect of the fans, ultimately, does it become less of an enjoyable experience for him? Because if he does bring success to the football club, yeah, the fans will obviously be celebrating, but they won't be celebrating together. So 
does Sam become almost become even more isolated? Even if even if we're we're back in Europe under him next season. No, because he. Who's he doing it for? Because is he himself? Just, so is that so that in itself is that part of the problem? Yeah, because it, it's the self-importance, and I've told you just said, and a lot of fans gripe. Do you know if Everton would have got this manager in in November mm. from Spain, young up-and-coming manager, got us from 13th and brought us to eight. Everton fans go, make sure he's there, give him money to spend. It's because Sam Allardyce, he's never going to change. Yeah. to come to the end of his managerial career, so to speak. He's yeah. not a young, expansive manager. It's the self-importance comments that don't wash with Everton fans. Everton get beat, it's the players' fault. He had to go at the Everton staff. When Everton win, he takes all applauses. You can't have it one way or the other, and the Everton fans aren't soft. There's three or four thousand that travel up and down the country every single away game. They're seeing it, mm. and it's the self-importance of his comments which don't sit right with Everton fans. Now, you can come out with everything and it's yeah, a, a brilliant to manage this football club, etc. But these fans, especially the three or four thousand that go away every single fortnight, they're seeing it and they're seeing what he's saying and it doesn't sit right with them. Yeah. Be- between us, obviously, I've, I've been every game of Sam's reign between us, we've, we've, we've been at all of the other ones. Um, Preno, can you recall any game this season under Sam where at the end of the game and we've won, He's turned to the supporters, whether it be Goodison or away, and clapped or gone into the centre circle and, and said, you know, you know, and I know it's, it might seem trivial. But I agree, no, because that's, to, to me, fans, that matters a lot. For me, it's symbolic of... of no, it's a fair point, Sam. You know, it was something that Ronald Koeman, you know, so I had an issue with. There wasn't really, you know, a bond between the supporters and him. But he would, he would still over. clap yeah. and applaud the supporters. Um, for yeah, I mean, it, it, it's important, you know, that the fans are paying customers and they need to feel valued, mm. and they need to feel part of the experience. They need to feel a connection to the money. 100%. I mean, you look... I hate to talk about this on this forum, but, you know, you look across the park and you know what they're going through at the moment yeah. and Jurgen Klopp made it a mission very soon after arriving at Liverpool to forge a connection with the support base and he was mocked for it you know sort of taking the entire team up to the cop end after the 2-2 draw against West Brom mm-hmm. everybody laughed what's he on about here but he was trying to forge a connection look we're all in this together you disappear 10 minutes from the end of the game and you know we lose your impetus yeah. and it's worked you know there is like an incredible connection now and you know you've got to be a good you know psychologist uh, to do that well no one did it better than Howard Kendall. Yeah. Uh, if you think about, you know, the, the hard times he had, you know, he had leaflet campaigns trying to get him out of the football club in the winter of 1983. Only a very small minority, but you know, they were there. They existed. But Howard always, always spoke about the fans. He talked about the power of the Gladys Street. You know, everyone heard last night the story about yeah. the dressing room windows it's at Stoke. Yeah. He always marched onto the pitch, you know, every game and applauded the Gladys Street. And, you know, he just made them feel part of the football club. Well, you've got to back that up with results as well, which oh, Roberto Martinez was great, yeah. obviously, interacting with yeah. the supporters. Couldn't do enough. But when it's going wrong the other way, he'd yeah, still yeah. be big, big enough. Is the argument, Phil? That what's going on, as Prenos just touched on, across the park, yeah. is putting adds a pressure on some Allardyce because if if Liverpool, say for argument's sake, winning the bottom three, mm. going down, some Allardyce, there'd be no pressure on him. They'd be going, well, good job, and, and, yeah. And and don't think for one second that Sam wouldn't use that as a kind of you know. Oh, of course lead, he would. You know, yeah, and and I think and I think it's and again, this isn't. This isn't a forum for Liverpool chat, but I think Preno's right in what he says. We can see, by glancing over the park, we can see a club and a manager in harmony. Yeah, they've had up and downs, mm. and you know, 
they've 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 sometimes their their belief has wavered, but majority have always been behind club because there's a connection and you watch. Obviously, we've been watching their Champions yeah. League runs, and I'll be watching it tonight, won't we? And one thing I do notice is Liverpool go through, maybe miss a big chance, but they've created the chance. Klopp just doesn't like turn and go. Oh, that was. Cr-. He turns, turns to the crowd and yeah. gets, you know, yeah. come on, gets scared. Yeah. And I mean, I can't. Not everybody's different, and I'm not saying Everton need to have a Klopp prototype. Yeah. But as I said to Preno, you need a connection. The supporters need to feel. That they understand the manager, and they it has to be somebody they want to get behind. I think we we need we've touched on it a couple of times. I've been on previous podcast. Everton needs a, a, a new identity, mm. a whole new structure in place. Whether it be three or four coaches out the door and a manager and a director of football, etc. I don't care what it is. They need a whole new structure in the summer because what's happened over the last eighteen months has just been a, it's abysmal. And I just look at it now, and every every Everton fan has got their heads down at the moment. They're embarrassed to be an Everton fan because of what's going on across the park. They're sitting their heads down, and they must look at it and go, "They've got a manager that's embracing their supporters. They've got a philosophy, the way they play." They've got every time they sign a player, they know where they're gonna play. They've got an identity of every signing. They know the structure that's in place. The manager, the player, the fans, everyone's on board, and they've got that. Everton are the total opposite. They've got a manager that obviously the fans just don't like. The players are playing as individuals, and there's no identity in the team. So it's everything that Liverpool have got. Everton have got. Everton haven't got it, Has and it hurts so yeah. much for an Everton fan right now. Just. Just in interests of fairness, it did take FSG a little while to get to that point, though, didn't it? And, and, and equally, Allardyce will also point out that you know the players he has brought in Having have fitted into a structure. Yeah. You know, he's brought Cheng Tosin in as a focal point that was an absolute shameful neglect of the original, you know, sort of manager in the summer. He's brought in Theo Walcott to play on the opposite flank to Jan, for again Yannick Balassi. If Sigurdsson was fit, presumably be playing number ten. Yeah. So you know there is like the, the he's never going to play attacking football. The, the seeds, no, no, I'm not trying to argue that. Mm. I'm just saying that there are seeds of a structure starting to take place. Yeah. It's not a structure that will thrill people because tomorrow we're nineteenth in the table for shots on target <laughs> this season, despite being sixth in the form table, which yeah. I totally expect. You know, unfortunately, modern football is very, very ruthless business, and the. Uh, the achievements of coaches like Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp mean that pragmatists like Jose Mourinho are becoming mm. out of vogue now. And you know, no one wants a manager who can you know grind out lots of one 0 and two 0 results. So even Jose Mourinho, who I love as a manager, yeah. but you know, is losing his, his popularity now because he doesn't play sexy attacking football. You know, it's got to be winning football and it's got to be done with a style now. And certainly at a club like Everton, but, with its school of science, but, you know, roots, you know, it, it's probably needed more than any anywhere. But, but there's not many teams that play sexy football and win trophies. No, exactly. Because well, it, you know, that I've, see, for argument's sake, Pochettino and Klopp are lords as these fantastic managers. Yes. They are, yeah. play expansive football, great to watch, but they've been in this country for, for six years, between them, yeah. they haven't won a thing. Where Mourinho plays horrible football to watch, but collects pots every single season. So what do you want? Yeah. Everton haven't got neither, and that's what's frustrating, and that's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. We haven't got a, a manager that's going to win a trophies, and we're not even playing attack on football, mm. and that's the problem. Um, before we move specifically off the subject of, of Allardyce, there was a really interesting column from Daniel Taylor in The Guardian at the weekend, and uh, the snippet that was sort of really piquing people's interest was that uh, in Sam Allardyce's autobiography, which Fahad Mashiri has read, 
We're, uh, he certainly has. He told us, and so found it very interesting. Was an was an ex extract in which Sam admits that whilst manager of Bolton, uh, he sought the expert advice of Alistair Campbell, former spin doctor of Tony Blair, and, and and various other things about how to deal with the media. And the information came back was that when you're in front of the press, you try and distract and confuse them in any way you can, and always try and convey the message that you want to deliver. Now, many Evertonians will have read that. Do you think? Friday or Thursday's press conference will be dissected like never before and people actually go hang on a minute I know <laughs> yeah. exactly what he's getting at here well he's been doing it for all his career hasn't he it's every type of pressure he's come between Newcastle United fans West Ham fans he's had it all like water off a duck's back to and Everton fans can shout as much as they want for him it's not not in phases he was England manager he obviously he's managed a lot of clubs in the Premier League not in phases him and he's there for the reason, and until told otherwise, you go, listen, I've got six million to collect next year. That's it. He's it's funny actually, skill, isn't it? Bro? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> for a man who, you know, is listened to advice from, you know, an actual disciple of PR, you know, so, yeah. you know, the arch guru of PR, he does seem to make a few mistakes uh, because, you know, Everton fans have been upset by a number of things he's said. Um, you know, some recent comments about David Unsworth, about Richard Kenyon, weren't well received, you know, so very well respected club employees. These, you know, slightly, you know, perceived rewritings of history, you know, who's claiming credit for the West Ham win? Was it David Unsworth? Was it him? Um, were Emerson actually below West Bromwich Albion on the table when he took over? No, they weren't. You know, so you know, little things mm. like this, you know, it's perceived as spin, but it winds people up. Um, you know, you can't pull the wool over fans' eyes. You know, you can try and you know listen to spin doctor's advice but at the bottom line you've got to be pretty sincere as well you know to, to, to that, that's what roberto martinez's big problem was yeah, it was perceived as being insincere and we go back to it again that's why howard was so loved because he was honest he was upfront. you know with what he had to say do you think some of the quotes that sam alazace has said that a lot of everton fans have spoke to after the match said he's too he's saying this on purpose he's saying yeah. that on purpose i can't imagine I can't that to say that. no he's not trying to wind people up i think like again it's just um, that supreme self-confidence that he has maybe you know leads him to fall into some of these little you know little traps he and compared uh, himself with the Diego Simeone the other week oh, in terms what? of entertainment he was he was obviously railing against this idea that uh, his teams don't play entertaining football and yet he goes well look at Diego Simeone he's held up as one of the best managers in Europe but they Correct. always trophies well that's what he didn't say but he was the point he was making is they grind out one nils every week and everybody thinks he's brilliant yeah I, t- I take that I don't think he was actually physically comparing himself to him I think he was just saying well hang on you know he gets away with it because yeah. you know he produces dour pragmatic football but as you just said it's dour pragmatic football that wins trophies yeah. and I would say Diego Simeone probably has a connection with the yeah. yeah, and, and it's also why Jose, Jose Mourinho gets away with it because he's a serial trophy collector. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll put up with any any man in the football for two or three years if you win in trophies. You know, until eventually fans want something better and they want yeah. something more expressive. Then, uh, but you know, if you're doing neither, well, you know, you've got problems. For a, diff- a different discussion, probably for another day. Argument: See, some other ice leaves in the summer, and Everton go out and get this young, expansive manager that we want to see. A Paulo Fonseca, we're led to believe, who's top of the list. No. No, not having him. No, I don't think he's at the top of the list anymore. No, if he's not, well, say for I'm saying we're looking yeah. for that a silver, so to speak, someone who's gonna he's get high Everton. Up the list. Yeah, <laughs> should there be such a list? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go for this expansive way of playing on the front foot, pressing. Yeah. How many of that current squad 
could actually play mm. that way. And this is where I'm trying to say about the structure of Everton. Yeah. I worry about the 23, 24-man squads. How many of them could play like that? Top of my head, Sigurdsson, Walcott, McCarthy when he's back, Idrissi Guy. Out of the 25-man squad, you yeah. worry about well, this is two-thirds. And this is why almost... It's actually, when we talk about summer revamps and changes squad, it's actually probably more important about getting rid of players this summer probably than bringing yeah. in, in, rather than bringing in rafts of new players. It might be a case of, we we'll need three or four, but we have to get rid of, of players you can't get anywhere near playing that way. Yeah. And maybe next season, maybe even, it might be like Ronald Koeman's first season where you get another influx of players. We might get... Beningami might play more. There might be somebody from the 23s who might just be, you know, have yeah. the energy and the legs and the enthusiasm to play the way Silver hypothetically yeah. might want to play. And the worry is as well is that because there's a World Cup yeah. and then the transfer deadline finishes before the season starts, it's just going to be hectic, really, isn't it? If there are any changes planned, I think they've got to be done as a matter of urgency. Straight so after the West Ham. Exactly. Game. And if they're not going to be making, if, if no changes are planned, you know, a firm statement of intent has to be made mm. and say, look, you know, Sam Allardyce is our manager for next season. Get behind him. You know, let's, uh, you know, see what the transfer market brings. Good luck. With um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if we're, we're waiting for guidance from the top. Yeah. Just to understand there's been a reluctance to uh, offer that public statement, but. Uh, just finally, obviously, there's a game to preview Saturday. Southampton at home, five thirty kickoff. When we look back to that harrowing day at St Mary's in November, when uh, we lost four-one, how much have Everton improved from that from that game? Massively. Uh, that was you know, the absolute low point of the season. I would say it looked like a club in absolute disarray yeah. that afternoon, and that was what. I think forced Farhad Mashiri to panic and you know uh, appoint Sam Allardyce because you know Everton had sounded him out already and decided not to go down that road. And then obviously that afternoon he just saw his big investment, you know, his possible Premier League place at risk, and thought, you know, I need a reassurance. And he brought in Sam Allardyce as a reassurance. He picked the phone up that night, didn't he? Yeah. So it was it, it was that bad that afternoon. Um, and things did start to improve, you know, so almost immediately. I know the West Ham, David Unsworth was in charge, and I think even that night was a bit shaky. You think about it being a 4 0 win. They had a pen, didn't they? Yeah, just yeah. before yeah. half time, you know, so Everton were on the ropes a little bit uh, and needed the Jordan Pickford penalty save. Uh, but no, things have improved significantly since then. As Bill Kenroy said last night, he said that if you'd have told me then that we'd approach our last two games, eighth place in the table, with all that, what did he say, rubbish behind us, or you know, yeah. worries behind us, I'd have taken that. And, and you would have done. But I think because Sam Allardyce got Everson into that position very, very quickly, we wanted to see something a little bit more entertaining, you know, sort of to build mm. on it, you know, a few more shots on targets, a few yeah. more entertaining games, and you know, that, that's been the issue so far. But yeah, massive improvements. And it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the two teams compare now at the weekend. Because you know Southampton haven't improved, you know. So if anything, they've stayed the same, if not gone backwards. You know, whereas Everton have big match for Southampton. Nothing at stake for Everton, other than possibly the manager's future. Uh, but you know, tea time kickoffs are like on a Saturday. There's always a good atmosphere. Fans are uh, mm. well lubricated beforehand, <laughs> so <laughs> well refreshed, so we say. So now I think it should, it should be you know live than your average end of season game, and then you have you know the uh, the end of season. Lap of whatever you call it, appreciation. Lap of appreciation, yeah. Should be a lap of apology. I think so again, I mean that has a potential to be anything, doesn't it? Depending yeah. on uh, well, what will happens. Will Sam come out and do it? 
Uh, well, again, you know, he came out of the awards, didn't he? So I know it's a, it's a prolonged mm. walk. A little yeah. Around, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to get longer. It's. I don't take much satisfaction on on Saturday. There's a possibility of sending Southampton down, isn't he? Can they go down Saturday? Can they? I'm, I think it's. Right. Go, yeah, I think yeah. they can go down. And the week later, we could arguably send West Ham down. Yeah. Well, what I don't want is a situation that we had in 1998. Was it 99? Where Southampton away. When Walter Smith was in charge, and Everton shamefully went down there, put flip flops oh, on, yeah, and got beat three 0 yeah. and uh, Southampton stayed up as a result. And you know, Everton just weren't interested. And you know, you think in the past Everton have benefited from teams being professional. I'm thinking the day Chelsea beat Bolton, you know, so when Everton were drawing with Coventry, and you know, thank God Chelsea were switched on a professional four days before they played the European Cup yeah. Winners' Cup final. So I think I would like to think Everton will be supremely professional at the weekend. I, I would like to. Th- I would like to think some of the moving and uh, emotional images and video that we saw particularly the segment before Howard Kendall's award was was presented was enough enough of a team talk for the players sat there last night because you know that and, and Snodsy's great anecdote as you mentioned Preno about opening the window in the chamber yeah. and Stone mm. you know they should they should not have not lack for anything on, on Saturday. And I, I went to that side, Dave. I went to that Southampton game. Yeah. And I remember coming back and I was fuming. Yeah. Oliver Decourt was jumping out of tackles. Yeah. And I, it, it, it was infuriating watching Everton players. I know that expression, they're on the beach. Yeah. These effectively were that day. It was frightening to get absolutely battered by Southampton. I know they had nothing to play for, Southampton needs to stay up, yeah. but they were literally jumping out of tackles, yeah. and I, I can't have it. Can't and, have as, it. and as I've mentioned before, what Howard did in his first three seasons, which you know weren't particularly successful until the FA Cup win came mm. in 84, was he ended his first three seasons well. Mm. Um, had rocky patches in all three of them, but ended the season with a run of wins, and finished seventh, I think, in his mm. first two seasons, as a result of late victories. And so, you know, get a late victory, creates a bit of momentum, creates a little bit of confidence around the club. You can take it into the summer and hopefully use it to build on for the following season. 70 would have got Europa League nowadays. Oh, <laughs> Which I'd have taken, you know, nothing wrong with the Europa League. Yeah. Indeed. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us again for the uh, latest Royal Blue Podcast in association with Spot Pacer. Uh, the guys will reconvene at the start of next week, hopefully reflecting on a... Uh, a warm send-off from Goodison this season with a victory over Southampton, but uh, we will see. So thank you very much for joining us and stay with The Echo for all the best blues news and analysis. Chance here for Everton to really seal it. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has done exactly that.